You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back to the Buckeye Breakdown Podcast. It is game day. Finally, we've got football here in front of us. We are so excited to cover the Ohio State Buckeyes as they open the season with the Minnesota Golden Gophers. I'm Brendan Gulick along with Andrew Lind. Man, does it feel good to wake up on a game day morning and uh, know that you know this team has, uh, has a lot of the pieces in place that they think they can go back out and defend their Big Ten championship, make another run at the college football playoff. Um, there's really nothing like, you know, waking up on game day morning for opening day and, uh, all of the, the hype is there obviously, but also a lot of hope that this season will go the way the Buckeyes want it to. Yeah. And the weather's pretty nice today too. It really fits, you know, the, the fall football season. So, you know, it's nice to, to wake up and there'd be a, a game today and, you know, it feels like it, it was really just spring practice. And then before that, you know, the national championship. So it really just never ends. January was, on one hand, an extremely long time ago, and on another hand, maybe wasn't so long ago. Um, Ohio State and Alabama had the shortest offseason of any team in the country because they played the last game of the year, uh, and it wasn't that long between the start of spring ball after the season had ended. So uh, an awful lot of excitement here as, as we get rolling to, to start covering this season. Let's talk Minnesota. This is a, uh, this is a really interesting week one matchup. You know, I, I think we've documented well enough throughout the course of the week over on BuckeyesNow.com that, you know, this this team has some talent. This is not a rollover game in the Big Ten to get it started. Um, I don't necessarily expect Ohio State to to struggle tonight. I don't think this is going to be a, you know, uh, insurmountable challenge. But I do think Minnesota is a, a darn good team. And considering what they did last year, I, I think this team is going to be more motivated to, to play like they did in 2019 where they had an awful lot of the same players two years back. Yeah. It's really easy to forget that, you know, for most of the season two years ago, they were undefeated and a lot of people thought they were, you know, going to be Ohio State's opponent in the championship. Um, but, you know, they, they obviously did lose Rashad Bateman at, at wide receiver. So they're not as talented, you know, maybe as they were offensively two years ago. Um, you know, they definitely still returned some key prospect or some key players, um, including the running back who, you know, is the, the Big Ten's leading rusher last season. So, you know, there's definitely some some places where Ohio State is going to have to pay attention. But overall, you know, I don't really expect it to be a, a really close game, you know, for very long. And, you know, the fact that Minnesota offensively is, is probably a little bit more one-sided than, you know, you kind of hope for a, a season opener, you know, just to kind of get the secondary, you know, used to playing and those kind of things. So, you know, like my prediction was, I believe, 40, 49 to 21. So, it'll, like I said, it'll be close in the first quarter, but eventually, you know, Minnesota just doesn't have the firepower to keep up. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that, especially on the firepower side. I don't know if the game is going to hit the over. I think the over is 62 and a half. Uh, I picked 41 to 20. Um, I think Ohio State wins a game by three touchdowns. I'm, I'm not sure that it's the kind of game that um, – Buckeye fans are really sweating over, but with some rain in the forecast, you know, I, I, 
I always think the beginning of the season, the, the defense might be a little bit ahead of the offense um, for, for short stretches. Now, Ohio State absolutely can open it up. They, they've got, you know, game-changing talent all over the field. You, you hit one big home run pass or you rip off one big run and, and all of a sudden the game breaks wide open. I, I get that. Um, but, you know, you're, you're playing in front of a crowd again. The adrenaline is going to be crazy for these guys in the first quarter. Um, I think there's going to be a significant emphasis on running the ball tonight on both sides. It's it's Minnesota's strength offensively for sure. Uh, and a couple years ago, I'm pretty sure the run pass breakdown uh, in Justin Fields' first game as an Ohio State quarterback, I believe it was about 65% running. I wouldn't be surprised if we see something similar in terms of a breakdown tonight just to try to get C.J. Stroud in, in the rhythm of you know being in a game, especially in a road environment. I think the biggest difference, though, when you look back at Justin Fields' first start is that they had J.K. Dobbins, so there was a little bit more, you know, you know what you get, and it's kind of we'll just, you know, go as J.K. takes us. And obviously there's there's a ton of talent in the wide, or in the running backs room, but I don't know that there's somebody who, you know, is, is necessarily at this point in the season who is that bell cow back who you're going to consistently hand it to all game and then, you know, like kind of feed off of him so you know it's kind of one of those things like where Ohio State's strength is right now is in the wide receivers room so to me you're going to try to get the ball in their hands more often so you know I see Ohio State throwing the ball a lot more than running it Minnesota doing the opposite well there's no doubt Ryan Day's offense uh, the last couple years has had a pretty huge emphasis on throwing the football maybe some of that is because You've got a transcendent quarterback in Justin Fields the last two seasons, but even before that with Dwayne Haskins, uh, when when Ryan Day was an integral part of of building this offense before he was the head coach. Um, you know, I, I totally agree with you in the sense that the Buckeyes have, have been one of the elite passing teams in the country the last couple of years. Uh, and, and I hope they take some home run shots. I think it'd be a ton of fun to see. You know, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, and then start to see maybe some of these freshmen. I, I cannot wait to watch Emeka Igbuka and, and Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, get their first opportunities. You know, Julian Fleming was hampered by injury all year last year. By all accounts, he's healthy uh, and and looked really good so far. Uh, you know, through camp and and preparing for this game. So yeah, without a doubt, I mean this this wide receiver room is loaded, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if. You know, if Ryan Day is trying to get the ball into their hands, um, I'm curious how much the forecast will play into it. You know, it's it, it's going to rain tonight. The question is, when does it start? Um, there, there's nearly a 100 percent chance of rain in Minnesota tonight by like 10 or 11 o'clock. Um, but does it start, you know, at seven o'clock local time when they kick eight o'clock Eastern? Uh, or does that maybe not hit till you know till the second half? How bad does it rain? How hard is it raining? How windy is it? I think some of those you know factors might determine how how much the Buckeyes want to try to air it out. Well, and on top of that, you know, just depending on how how up hand the game is at any point too could play into that because you know, you're not going to throw the ball a million times in the second half if you have a three four touchdown lead. So you know, it's just kind of one of those things you you want to see how it unfolds, and then once the weather kind of comes in. You know, you, you make your decisions from there. Matthew's fired up, says go Buckeyes. Thanks for chiming in and for joining us, Matthew. We appreciate that. And it brings up a good point. If you're listening to this podcast after the fact, we appreciate that. But know that you are able. We uh, we stream all of our podcasts live. So if you want to interact with us, if you have questions about the season that you'd like us to address, uh, feel free to join us either on our YouTube channel 
or on one of our social media platforms on uh, on Twitter and on Facebook. You can find Buckeye Breakdown wherever you like to find your favorite podcasts. Um, CJ Stroud, right? The you know, it's obviously his first start. Uh, everybody within the building is certainly expressing a ton of confidence in him. The wide receivers was the last position group that we had a chance to uh, to you know meet with at the end of camp. And to a man, everybody that spoke to us basically straight out said C.J. Stroud is is making our unit better, which is kind of a scary thought. Um, but isn't there an element of you got to prove it? I mean, the guy has only played eight snaps in his career so far, hasn't thrown a pass. I know that's been you know, beaten over and over and over again. But, you know, now the rubber meets the road. Today today counts. Today is day one. And, you know, Ryan Day was pretty clear. You can't lose this game. You have to find a way to come home with a win. Well, Ryan Day also said this week that, I mean, I guess he was more asked about practice than he straight out came and said it. But, you know, practice for Ohio State is, is most likely always going to be um, more difficult than the game itself. So, you know, if they're saying that he's performing in practice against Ohio State's defense, you know, practice in and practice out, like I'm, I'm not necessarily worried about the fact that he hasn't he hasn't thrown a pass in a, in, a, in a real game because, honestly, what's where's the benefit saying, oh, well, he threw a pass in a, a blowout over Rutgers in the fourth quarter versus, you know, uh, he's, he's throwing touchdown passes left and right in, in practice. Like, I'm not necessarily concerned about that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think there is an element of it's a manufactured headline and it's an easy attention grabbing thing to talk about. Um, but uh, if there's ever a day where that comes up, it's like, hey, today it's it's game one. It's day one. You know, let's see what you got. And and Ryan Day was very straightforward in saying he does not have plans to play more than one quarterback today. This is C.J. Stroud's team and his offense right now. And the only way based on what Ryan told us on, on Monday, the only way that Kyle McCord or Jack Miller or anybody else gets in the game um, is if the game dictates it, not if, you know, it's, it's just, Hey, let's go get another guy, some, some valuable game reps. Um, so you're going to see CJ Stroud, you know, theoretically all day. Um, and, and maybe that's best for him too, right? You know, he's got to get, uh, get his feet underneath him because for as big as this week is next week is maybe even bigger. Yeah, and that kind of goes back to my point about, you know, thinking that they're going to throw the ball a little bit more because, you know, there there is a benefit maybe in, in handing the ball off and, you know, getting a, a, a rapport with your running backs and just knowing, you know, placement and those kind of things. But really, you know, as a quarterback, the thing you want to do and the thing you want to get comfortable with is throwing the ball around and being in those situations. So if it is raining, you know, maybe that is something that, hey, it's raining, the game's out of hand, you know, there isn't necessarily a – um, a risk in throwing the ball around a little bit. So, you know, we're going to, it's wet. Let's, let's try that. And I think that that's kind of, you know, just the, the whole thinking with Ryan Day, wanting him to be in the game the whole time is, you know, learning different situations and, and just getting the experience. I, I think the other uh, obvious storyline as it relates to the Buckeyes coming in here is that this is, you know, the, the first time the defense can come out and show that um, the, the faux pas of 2020 are in the rearview mirror. Um, the defensive line last year coming into the season was perhaps the, the one area that was a question mark this year. It's the unquestioned strength of the defense. Um, the Buckeyes like the talent they have in the linebacker room, but you know, those guys haven't played as many snaps as, as the tough Borlands and Pete Warners and, and Justin Hilliards that you had seen from a year ago. Um, and obviously the secondary has to be better. 
you know, they had flashes of good play last year, but they were also at times a liability uh, for, for quarterbacks could take the top off the defense. Tanner Morgan, two years ago, you know, threw 30 touchdowns and only seven interceptions. Now he did have a better receiving core two years ago than I think he does this year, but he's, he's a talented quarterback. I think he's 18 and eight as a starter during his career. Um, he owns 11 different Minnesota passing records, uh, either single game or career records already. I mean, this kid's good, and and I know they like to hand the ball off, but this defense really better be ready to go tonight. Yeah, Larry Johnson kind of talked about this a couple weeks ago too, and that they won't really be able to get into the rushing package just because of how how Minnesota runs the ball so much. So you know, I don't really expect them to make like you know to make all kinds of plays on the quarterback just because that's not you know not the style of offense that Minnesota has. But at the same time, this is more of a more speaking for the whole season as, as you know, the season as a whole. If the if the defensive ends or defensive line as a whole is able to get pressure on on the quarterback, that's in turn going to help the secondary and linebackers just because of that pressure. You know, it makes the quarterback make quicker decisions and those kind of things. Rightful one chimes in on YouTube. That's a it's an interesting name. Uh, CJ goes up against our front seven in practice, so I'm confident in him. Am I crazy for thinking he may have a 50 touchdown season? I'm trying to temper my confidence, but I just think this kid is legit. Um, you know, I don't think that's a completely bananas thought. Um, first of all, you've got the full, you know, the full season again, right? Obviously, this is it's a thought process dictated on on his health. Um, he plays in an offense with a guy in Ryan Day that wants to throw the ball, that likes to throw the ball. So I can see why you'd say it from that angle. The offensive line by all accounts, is one of the best offensive lines the Buckeyes have had in recent memory. Probably going to give him good protection. Obviously, the talent in the receiver room is there. I could certainly see a scenario where C.J. Stroud has a monster season. Does he get to 50? You know, we were probably asking ourselves the same thing when Dwayne Haskins had that kind of a season. I'm not sure anybody really predicted that that was going to happen before the season started. Um, But to Stroud's credit, you know, when he's gotten opportunities to shine – He's continued to do that. So I expect him to have a great season. Um, I think it's kind of hard to ever predict a 50 touchdown season from a quarterback, Andrew, but um, I could certainly see where he has, has a big, big year. Yeah. I mean, if, if he's throwing 50 touchdowns this year, I, I'm pretty sure he's going to win the Heisman trophy. because <laughs> I mean, there's, there's been, I think six quarterbacks ever including Joe Burrow two years ago to ever throw over 50 touchdowns. So, you know, it's kind of one of those things that's a really, it's a really high number. And, and honestly, if, if Ohio state is throwing the ball that much that he has 50 touchdowns, I'm a little bit concerned about the running running backs room too, because that, I mean, that was, that was a lot of the reason that, that Dwayne Haskins had 50 plus touchdowns that season was because, you know, the running backs, JK Dobbins and, and Mike Weber could really never get a rhythm you know, the offensive line kind of said that as much as well. Like we 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 had to completely change the offense just because, you know, JT Barrett was more of a, you know, he could, he could throw the ball, he could run the ball, those kind of things. And then the offense was just almost strictly, strictly throwing the ball in 20, 2018. So, you know, I don't know that that's, that, that wouldn't necessarily be a great sign for Ohio State's offense and the balance that you know that they undoubtedly want to have. I, I totally agree with you. I mean, Dwayne Haskins, put together one of the most memorable seasons um, in, in Buckeye history. Obviously, he broke records. 
I, I don't think that's what Ohio State wants. I think they liked the balance they had last year where it was almost split exactly 50-50 on roughly 260 passing yards and 260 rushing yards per game. Um, you know, to your point, maybe they don't have an established bell cow back, but the Buckeyes like the depth they have in the running back room this year, perhaps better than they even liked it when they had guys like Ezekiel Elliott and J.K. Dobbins because, you know, if Master Teague has a has a bad stretch, they're going to give the ball to, to Mayan Williams or to Travion Henderson. I think you're going to see all three of those guys get carries tonight. You know, Travion Henderson, true freshman right away. I, I'd be really surprised if he doesn't get touches tonight. Uh, I know he is in the rotation for guys that, you know, might return kicks. So they're looking for ways to get him on the field. Um, but I, I agree with you. I, I think the Buckeyes are much more well-suited if they can prove they can run the football and, and not have to throw it. Dwayne Haskins was a was a different kind of quarterback than the Braxton Miller and JT Barrett and, and Justin Fields mold. Dwayne was much more of a pocket passer and a, and a super, super talented guy. Um, but I, I think they, to your point, they kind of had to change the offensive strategy because they, they didn't have the running threat both in the backfield and with his legs that they did with other guys. Well, and then once you get into the the red zone too, you know, you mentioned Teague and Mayan Williams, like those are big bodied kids that are, are going to get the ball in those situations. And, you know, those are going to take obvious touchdown opportunities away from Stroud once you get into that shorter field. I don't want to make too big a deal of this, but I feel like it. we have to at least mention it. The Buckeyes are playing in front of a crowd. It's going to be the biggest crowd they've played in front of in, in two years because you know, even though they played in front of fans, you know, in the in the Sugar Bowl against Clemson and in the national championship game uh, against Alabama, you know, those stadiums were far from full capacity. I think there was something like fifteen or sixteen thousand people in Miami for the for the national title game. Um, but you know, they're they're probably going to play in front of roughly fifty thousand people tonight. There will certainly be some Buckeye fans there, but there's going to be a lot of Minnesota fans. Um, I, I think that probably only comes into play for me in that first quarter where you've got, I don't know if it's butterflies, maybe more just nervous energy about the excitement of the season starting and you can feel the the game day environment. You know, it's a nationally televised game on a Thursday night under the lights. Um, I think maybe that that comes into play for the first couple series, but I, I don't think that's going to really bother the Buckeyes, even though that's something that's being talked about. Yeah, I mean, really, I only expect it to be Ohio State's first offensive series that it that it seems to be, you know, different, if that makes sense. But I think really it's just one of those things that it'll become normal very quickly. Like, they'll be like, oh, well, this this is what it's supposed to be like. You know, last year was that, that outlier where it seemed really strange and like, you know, just the energy wasn't there at times because of that. And I think that this is just the complete opposite where, like, you might see people be over-energized, if that makes sense. So. You know, I, I really don't expect it to play that big of a role. It'll just feel really natural by the time that the second quarter rolls around. How about the two right tackles we're going to see tonight? <laughs> you want to talk about two guys that are just like unbelievably large human beings. Uh, Dewan Jones for the Buckeyes is far and away the biggest offensive lineman that, that Ohio State has. And it's a good thing that the defensive ends have had a chance to, to practice going up against him because Daniel Fa'alele, it's 6'9", 380 pounds. He's going to play right tackle for, for Minnesota. I expect Ohio State to try to test his mobility. I think they're going to throw different rotations at him. 
it's not always going to be Zach Harrison or Tyreek Smith. I think they're going to throw different guys his direction. Um, you know, you, you can't argue with the natural size and strength that that guy has, but how quick are his feet? You know, can you beat him with a speed rush? I think that's th- those are the kinds of things the Buckeyes are going to try to test him with early. And saying ultimately the fact that Ohio State is already going up against its own offensive line in practice, you know, really helps out in that situation because it's not like it's some big culture shock that that he's he's massive, you know, maybe compared to other other teams that they're going to play. So it's just one of those things that you know, you, at first at first sight you say, okay, well this is a big dude, but at the same time, like you mentioned, you know, maybe he doesn't have the the mobility, maybe he's not as quick off the snap as as you know you would expect from a maybe a smaller tackle so you know it's just a matter of of excuse me trying to go and and attack him in different ways and you know the rest of the offensive line has to block too so maybe maybe it's not necessarily going up just against him but you know finding other weaknesses in the in the in the offensive line there's a couple of pretty big games around the big 10 this weekend and and i don't want to do too deep of a dive into uh, scheduling away from the buckeyes but it's never too early to start looking at how the college football landscape is um, you know, taking shape this particular season. You've got a massive game right out of the gate with Georgia and Clemson, two teams with national championship aspirations. One of them is going to lose the first game of the season. Um, it will likely be a high-quality loss, but it's still going to be a loss. Um, you know, Georgia's a lot of people's pick right now to maybe be the surprise team to, if you want to call them that, to, you know, to find their way into the playoff. Um, obviously Clemson and Alabama and Ohio state, the big storyline from those three, they've all got new starting quarterbacks this year. How is DJ, uh, yeah, DJ Uyunglele down in Clemson going to, you know, going to fare in his first start, uh, of the season. But of course he played last year when, when Trevor Lawrence had, uh, had COVID, um, that's a huge game, you know, in the league, Penn state and Wisconsin is a really, really big game. Alabama's playing Miami right out of the gate. That's a huge game. Miami thinks that they've, you know, uh, turned a corner. Um, and then in conference, Indiana and Iowa is a really, really good game out of the gate. So there's some games I think that that could really help uh, shape the way we think about college football right out of the shoot here. Yeah. And another one there um, in the big 10 uh, is Michigan state at Northwestern. I know that that doesn't seem like a game that, you know, might not have any, any big, um, you know, big fallout from it, but Northwestern made the big 10 championship last year and Michigan state, like I expect them to take a step forward in a, in a real, you know, a non COVID year, if you will, under Mel Tucker, because he obviously is a good coach. He has, you know, a good pedigree behind him. And I think that he'll be able to take a step forward with that program. So if he can go on the road and get a win at Northwestern right off the bat, that would be pretty big. It, it would be hard for Michigan state to take a step backwards. I mean, they, they really, really weren't good last year. Um, and and to your good. point, yeah, and, and they beat Michigan. <laughs> uh, and to your point, you know what do you what do you have with Northwestern this year? Um, I, I always expect that team to be competitive because I just think Pat Fitzgerald is one of the best motivators in college football. He's an unbelievable coach, and he's so much fun to watch. Um, but they lost basically everything from that team last year, and so you know, I don't know if, if their talent level this year will match where it was a year ago, but it's fair to say they've at least got an unproven team. Um, and the last few years, it's basically been some combination of Iowa, Wisconsin, and, and Northwestern that have controlled the West. Minnesota has been really, really close, but two years ago, they, they lost to Wisconsin in pretty convincing fashion. 
in the last game of uh, of the regular season. And, you know, they didn't even make the Big Ten championship game. So, yeah, a school like Northwestern, for sure, if, if they come out and lay an egg, um, both that's a sign to me that the West might be a little bit more open. Uh, but also, if Michigan State can come up with a win, perhaps we look more at, at Michigan State with some more respect, for sure. Well, the team that doesn't have to, the teams that don't have to play Ohio State from the West, obviously, are in it, at an advantage as well. Because, I mean, not to, not to totally say Ohio State is going to win every single game, but you know, you won't have a loss on your on your conference mark, and that helps you obviously in the long game when it comes to you know winning winning the West. Um, to your point, the Buckeyes have beaten every team in their division dating back to 2016 when they last lost to Penn State. So, um, yeah, it's 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 not a guarantee that a, the Buckeyes are going to win every game. But, you know, the Iowa and the Purdue loss obviously stand out and, and Ohio State was certainly favored to win both of those. Um, but if you don't have the Buckeyes on your schedule, your road to Indianapolis is a little bit easier for sure. Uh, and I think maybe that's why Iowa this year could have a better season. I know some people are a little down on them. I just have a hard time accepting that. I I, I just don't think Iowa is going to take a massive step backwards. Um, if they can get through week one and, and you know, geez, even if, if they could beat Iowa State, I know that might be a tall order, but if they could beat Iowa State, that I feel like that would just rid all of the demons – that have been around that program in the off season. Um, and, and, you know, perhaps Iowa makes, makes another good, strong run. They didn't get off to a great start last year, but boy, they sure finished strong. So then they've got some momentum coming into the year for sure. I do think that Iowa state game will be, uh, will be a key for them just because, you know, if you look at a lot of predictions around the country, like a lot of people have Iowa state as a, as a dark horse potential, you know, uh, playoffs team. I don't necessarily know if I see that just yet, but maybe talk to me after that, you know, that in-state rivalry game and, and we might we might be seeing something different from them. I'll tell you the other game I didn't mention that I, I just blanked on for a moment. Notre Dame, Florida State is another big one. Um, you know, I, I don't know if Florida State is is capable of beating Notre Dame, uh, but I'm sure they have Notre Dame's attention. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Florida State has not yet officially named a starting quarterback, and so maybe a little bit of gamesmanship there to try to keep Notre Dame on their toes, preparing for multiple guys. It's already hard enough week one to prepare for a team when you don't have, you know, current in-season film on them. Um, but I, I would expect Notre Dame to beat Florida State. I believe that's uh, that's a big game on national TV too. Yeah, I mean, I, I will be interested in seeing who they who they name the, the starting quarterback because that could go a long way in determining just kind of how, how the offense moves and those kind of things. But you know, it's, it's really not an easy task to go into Doe Campbell Stadium uh, for a night game, regardless of how bad Florida State might be. So I think that that game might actually be closer than most people are, are thinking. And Notre Dame, you got to remember, is also breaking in a new starting quarterback this year uh, in Wisconsin trains for Jack Cohn. So it's it's not like they're just returning Ian Book and, you know, have all this talent that, you know, necessarily led them to a, a playoff berth last year. So there, there's definitely going to be some struggle for Notre Dame as well. So if, if, if Florida State can take advantage of that, that, that could be an upset in week one. Yeah, for sure. Although good news is Jack Cohn obviously has some um, some legitimate big game playing experience that should help them uh, ease, ease that uh, transition a little bit. Um, the only other thing I wanted to mention here, if, if folks don't know it yet, uh, the game day status report that the Buckeyes have historically released the day before is now only going to be publicized three hours before kickoff. 
Um, so we, we don't know yet who made the trip and who didn't. Um, and, and we will be able to share that with you a couple of hours before kickoff. But uh, Ryan Day did make the comment earlier this week that he does expect the 12 or 13 defensive linemen were going to get on the plane. Uh, and, and I think that's a good sign that the Buckeyes plan to use all those guys at some point and, and try to use the, the rotational depth of that defensive line to their advantage. Um, Minnesota's offensive line is the most experienced offensive line in the country. They've got more combined starts than any other offensive line in FBS football. So even if, you know, even if they might not quite have the same talent level, there is an element of it's the first game of the year. You trust your training, you rely on your experience. And, and I think, you know, fresh legs for the Buckeyes routinely throughout the course of the game might help wear them down a little bit. So I, I would expect to see a good rotation on the D line tonight. I'd add to that. You know, it'll be nice to not have to look at a, a, a status report and just see people who are out and people thinking, you know, that it has to deal with COVID and those kind of things. Like that doesn't seem to be a concern, at least for Ohio State or, you know, really any other program at this point in time, you know, just people being unavailable or out because of that. And, you know, it'll really just be nice to not have to deal with that for a year. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So we will, uh, we'll post that on uh, Buckeyesnow.com at uh, what will be, Five o'clock Eastern, four o'clock Central time, three hours before kickoff tonight. Uh, the game is being televised on Fox. Gus Johnson, Joel Klatt, Jenny Taft will be on the TV call. Of course, you can listen on the Ohio State Radio Network with Paul Keels, Jim Lachey, Matt Andrews, and Skip Mossick. And uh, I believe the game is also on Touchdown Radio nationally. Uh, you can check out their website if you're looking for a local affiliate for that one. Uh, Andrew, I think you mentioned it earlier, but one more time, your prediction for tonight. It was 40, 49 to 21. You obviously have to check the, the website to, to make sure that I had that right. So, <laughs> All right. So a high scoring game. You, uh, you're you taking the over and the Buckeyes to cover the point spread. Uh, I am taking Ohio State to cover the spread 41 to 20. But I think the under is going to hit 62 and a half points. I think it'll be uh, it'll be close. Could come down to maybe a, a missed extra point or somewhere along the way. That'll be uh, that'll be another area the Buckeyes are. Uh, going to have some eyeballs. Ryan Day has not yet named a kicker. He said he's going to go literally right up to the start of the game before deciding whether it's Seibert or Noah Ruggles to take kicks for the Buckeyes this year. So keep your eye on that as well. We have a boatload of coverage for you over at BuckeyesNow.com, all about leading up to the week to get you ready for today's game. And we'll have a ton of stuff throughout the day today and in the days to follow, recapping Ohio State's first game of the season. 132nd season of Ohio State football ready to kick off tonight. And if you're looking for a good omen, Ohio State has never lost a Big Ten opener. 14-0 all time. See if they can make it 15-0 tonight. For Andrew Lind, I'm Brendan Gulick, the Buckeyes and Minnesota Golden Gophers coming up tonight, 8 o'clock Eastern on Fox. We'll talk to you along the way.